listening to episode 40, chapter 2 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lamberth. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that he would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. And today we're continuing our conversation with Pastor Alan Baker of Journey Pastoral Coaching. Alan is a graduate of Miami University, Oxford, Ohio, and the Assemblies of God Theological Seminary, Springfield, Missouri. He's been in ministry for 39 years in the United States and Europe. During those years, he served as lead pastor, assistant pastor, missionary, evangelist, professor, college campus pastor, and pastoral coach. He's the author of two books, Those Who Turn Worlds Upside Down, and When the Call Comes, A Funeral Guide for Pastors. In 2014, he launched Journey Pastoral Coaching, a ministry whose mission is helping young ministers build for a lifetime of healthy and effective ministry. When it comes to Journey Pastoral Coaching, there are two beams that signify the different types of coaching relationships. There's the vertical beam that signifies the relationship we have with a coach who is more experienced than us and who has already done what we are now trying to do. Then there's the horizontal beam that signifies the relationship that we have with others who are at the same level as us. They are struggling to learn and accomplish the same things we are. And these two types of relationships each offer unique value. One is not more important than the other. We need both to help us fully develop as followers of Christ. But in this chapter, we discuss the value of the vertical beam and explore how these relationships provide a unique perspective that can only be gained through years of experience. Okay, so could you talk to us a little bit then about the philosophy that you have in Journey Pastoral Coaching? Because, um, you know, like you said, when you first began it, it, be- it was very you as the older minister coaching younger ministers. Right. And then later you've incorporated other elements of, of uh, cross coaching between the members themselves. Can you talk to us a little bit about how those dynamics work um, generally? And then we'll focus on the vertical relationship specifically here in a minute. Sure, sure. I think that a cross coaching approach begins with the understanding that we come for coaching to a person not because he or she is perfect, but simply because they're farther down the road of ministry and life than we are. One of the, I think, essential qualities of an effective coach, effective, not successful, but effective coach, is a person who knows failure, who knows struggle, who knows what it is not to measure up, who knows what it is to wrestle with insecurity, with pride, with ego, with temptation, etc. So once we have that as a given, the vertical post is established Okay, we know that person is not perfect and we're okay with that. We're going to learn from their mistakes too. But you see, then now it makes that horizontal beam really, really stand out because now it allows us all to be imperfect. And as imperfect people, though, we now have a, 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 a peer relationship with people who are in similar situations, similar places in life. You know, we're younger, first, second positions in ministry. We're getting married. We're having children. We have student loan debt. Uh, all these different stressors, you are in a different place than I am, just simply due to age, differences in in decades, if you will. So the one and the two walk together so beautifully because it begins with the the coach himself saying, I'm not perfect. My qualification is not my 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 excellence, whatever. My my experience is a qualifier in this. And that then makes the the peer aspect the uh 
the horizontal beam, all the more, I think, all the more brilliant what we do. And if I can, with Journey the last five years, the one thing I'm most proud of above all things is that peer aspect. I can't tell you what a joy it is to watch all the guys and, and ladies in Journey do that, uh, that thing that we do together in peer coaching. I will second that. I tell you what, you know, it was, so when I first came in in Journey, I think it was a little intimidating to have this, uh, well, I mean, we, the, the peer stuff kind of started a little while after we both got in, but for me, at least anyway, when the peer stuff first started, it was just a touch intimidating to think, okay, I've got to, I've got to talk to this person that I may not know and either, uh, the temptation for me was I got to give them something very valuable yeah, or I have to expose a part of my life that I may not want to or be ready to expose. And so uh, for me, there has been nothing but great experiences in that because uh, of the shared uh, starting point that you're talking about. Yeah. Now, if we're talking about the, the vertical relationship, though, between us and someone older than us, more experienced than us, or uh, as we like to talk about in Journey, somebody who's further along in their journey than we are. Um, why is it so important to be in a relationship with somebody who's further along in their journey than we are? In a word, I think uh, that wisdom would be the word I would use. Um, we have an entire book of the Bible, several actually, that focus on wisdom, don't we? Proverbs. Get it at all costs, we're told by the writer of Proverbs. More than gold, seek it. When you find it, it's sweeter than honey and all these, these other delicacies. There is, a, there is a wisdom that can come with experience, not, not necessarily so in every case. Many ministers have lots of experience, but they've not gained wisdom, if you will. So... We learn Christ, we come into Christ, we come into ministry, understanding ministry, being able to take the hits of ministry, etc., through experience, and then dealing with our experiences in, uh, shall we say, a way that, that brings wisdom. So when we walk with a more experienced minister, we should add the qualifier that they're experienced also, and they're wise. They have handled those experiences well. I've often said it this way. By the time you reach my age, and I'm 39 now, by the way, right? I'm 39, <laughs> every bit of it. By the time you reach this age, I think there are three kinds of ministers. There are the hard and bitter. They have gotten hit in life, like we all do ministry, and they have fought back. And their fists are out there, hard and bitter. The second group are the cruisers. They just got tired of fighting and they, they kind of turned it off. They're in cruise control, just going through their church services, going through their day at the office, whatever. The third group, sweet and deep. They've had the same hits, the same losses, et cetera, but somehow the Spirit has helped them. Jesus has helped them to process these things. And from them, they have learned a way of wisdom. Whenever I go to a funeral and I see an older minister who has passed, I look at that. I have a strange thought. We've lost, we've lost this wisdom. We've lost this knowledge. But then I'm reminded, no, we haven't. If that older minister has walked with younger ministers, that experience and wisdom has been passed down. Now, it, it flows out differently, of course. It's a younger minister. He'll live that out in a different way. But that wisdom is passed down. We need that individually 
Our churches need that wisdom passed down. And if you will, the big C church needs that wisdom to continue. The same as it came from Jesus to you know the 12, to Barnabas, to Paul, to Timothy, and all the way down to us. We need to keep sharing the story, the life in Jesus that we have. That's why it's so important. You know, one of the, I mean, we, we look at, I think, the Christian life way more individualistically in the West than, than a lot do. Absolutely. One of the things that I've really uh, come to appreciate over the years is how interconnected we are as a body, church, capital C, with each other, uh, not just in our own time, but with those who uh, passed away hundreds of years ago. Um, I don't remember who it was we were talking to on the podcast, and it's been a while now, we were talking to somebody about how as Christians, we today in the 21st century have the benefit of all of the thinking, all of the education and learning and understanding that's gone before us over the last 2,000 years. Yeah, amazing. Where somebody a 1,000 years ago only had a 1,000 years of history to work with and a 1,000 years of learning and working through and doing theology Mm -hmm. together. Uh, And yet still somehow in the West, in America, we tend to get this individualistic perspective that says, I have to figure out and assimilate all of this stuff by myself, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in and of myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, True. And to me, to me, that's one of the things that's been so powerful about the this vertical uh, beam of the coaching relationship that I have with you is that it it takes me out of that individualistic approach a little bit more by reminding me that this isn't just my generational perspective. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and if, I, if I may, the cultural aspect, you are spot on. When we lived in France as missionaries, my daughters had friends who lived in 14th century wood beam homes. Now think about that. 14th yeah. century wood. OK, now it's obviously a republic in France. And yet in France, the monarchy is still very much a part of daily life. It's not that the kings are alive. But it's not just history that's written in books. Somehow that history is alive and it is shared even today between people. There is a culture, not just of the past, but a culture that walks on the present with them, if that makes sense to you. Here in America, we don't. We don't have a connection with 50 years ago many times because of the aspect you've just raised. That's a great, great point. Yeah. Yeah. And we've seen that work out, I think, differently, uh, different in different ways and each of our lives, Josh, like, so for me sometimes, and I don't know, this is going to be kind of a random illustration, but like, there are certain things where if it comes to like, uh, if, if I see somebody who I know, like in a movie or a TV show, I'm always trying to figure out what other movie or TV show they're in. And I consider it cheating if I look that up, you know? And so, but you're like, no, I'll just look it up real quick. And I'm like, no, 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 don't tell me. I've got to figure it out. And, and so it's sort of like, I need to do this on my own. And then there are other puzzles where it's like, you're like, no, 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 I got to figure it out. And I'm like, no, let's just look it up. If it's like a, like a math problem or, you know, like some other sort of puzzle. Sometimes I'm just like, no, 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 let's just, uh, you know, see what somebody else has said about the thing. And, uh, but I think that's that attitude that we're talking about here is we sort of have this idea that if we don't figure it out or do it on our own, we somehow cheated. And so we are not, it really gets back to, I guess, maybe we're trying to earn God's grace and God's favor in our life, because yeah. uh, if we need to rely on anybody, then um, clearly we're not strong enough in our own yeah. right, in our own yeah. might. Yeah. Um, I think sharing that though with my wife, for example, 
to share life with her multiplies the joy. It multiplies the grace. It multiplies the comfort. I can look mm-hmm. back at almost 40 years of marriage and think about the experiences of my life. It's just not, it's not just that we, we share them side by side, but walking with her the way we have have multiplied these joys to us. Again, a picture of Jesus and his church. I think it's, it's evident. It's evident. That's a good point. That's a good point that our joy is multiplied when we're uh, in community like that. Um, Real quick, since we're talking about the vertical relationship, um, because I know this is one of the things that Journey is uh, passionate about, is the difference between coaching and mentorship. Because you're always clear to say that this is not mentorship, it's coaching. Can you talk a little bit about um, what your philosophy then is in coaching and how that differs from mentorship? And then maybe, you know, why that's valuable? Okay, sure. I think sometimes it's just a matter of terms and definitions and the way different people use them in different ways. Many people speak about mentors and they mean coaching. Uh, mm-hmm. But just for clarity's sake, we speak of mentorship at Journey. At Journey, Mentorship is about the doing of your ministry or the doing of a job or a vocation where coaching is about the being aspect of it. So we would say, Coaching is about being a pastor, being a missionary, where mentorship is about pastoring, or if I may coin a word, missionarying, if you will. Missionary, yeah, I like yeah. that. <laughs> How about that? Coin the new word, coin the new word. <laughs> but we focus at Journey on the being aspect more than the doing aspect. Uh, pastoral coaching, we believe— and this is not just me, but I learned this from people like Dr. Gary Collins and others, guys who know far more than I do. If we can help the being side grow, if I can help build the minister, the ministry will naturally follow. If we minister out of techniques, what we learn from books, if we minister from the things that we've learned about methodology, at some point it will break down. But if we can grow character, character in Christ, a development of person and who God formed you to be. For example, some of our members in Journey are introverts and sometimes ask the question, wait a minute, I'm a pastor. How can a pastor be an introvert? So it <laughs> begs the question, did God make a mistake? No, God made you introvert and God called you to pastor. You are a pastor and you are an introvert. Be that person. And in that strength, the beauty of Christ will shine, the power of the Spirit will come through, and God will use you to reach people in deep and thoughtful ways. So coaching, and I'm not at all, not at all making light of mentorship. We desperately need great mentors. Great, great, greatly need it. But coaching focuses more upon the being aspect, and then we want to see that person grow in the realization of who they are. Yeah. Did that answer the question? Yeah, that was great. Okay. Yeah. And I love the way I'm going to say pretty much everything you just described about this vertical relationship, I see in the everyday Christian life. Yeah. When you talk about the the three types of uh, older Christians, you see the bitter people, you see the cruising people, and you see the sweet and deep people. Um, I mean, we, we all kind of inherently understand those qualities and some of the older people in the church there's those that are just kind of sitting there in their their pew they've got their arms right. crossed and a bitter look on their face they can't believe that the pastors right. not worn a tie to this morning and how dare they or or they show up in people who've just left the church altogether because right. they're just bitter about life and then you've got those who are just kind of cruising 
they've kind of have this mentality of, oh, I've, I've done my time of service. Yes. I've done this. Uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna show up to church, enjoy the service, leave and come back next week. And then you've like got those us. that the moment you talk to them and start a conversation, you feel like you're in the presence of Jesus. Yes. Yes. And you see that in the, in the Christian life. And I want to take seriously, uh, Paul's instructions to, for the, the older generation to invest in the younger ones and for the younger ones to then accept that and, and receive that because there's something so valuable in those vertical relationships that does pull us out of this individualistic mentality that we tend to have uh, just as Christians in general. We, have to, we think we have to figure this out on, on our own. We have to pull ourselves up by our bo- own bootstraps and um, make everybody else think that we've got it all together. And so, yeah. And don't yeah. miss the investment young ministers make in older ministers. You bring to us creativity, an ingenuity, a fresh look at the world around us. Because, see, with like someone born in the 50s, that's now eight decades, believe it or not. They look at a world gone haywire, they think. They can somehow then lose faith, not faith in God for salvation, but that God's really in control. Here you are, fresh in your faith, strong in your faith in God, seeing what God can be and do in our world. You bring that spirit back to us all the time. That's a great, great circular thing, if I may. Uh, and by the way, I'm not of that school. I think our best days are ahead of us, but you guys certainly do help me keep that perspective. And I thank you for it. Really do. Christian coaching is about asking good questions and helping the other person walk in their identity and calling. And this is something every disciple needs as they create a lifestyle of discipleship. And right now, you're either in the position of needing a vertical coaching relationship, or you're in the position of having something to offer someone else in this kind of relationship. The older we get, the more we have to offer others in a coaching relationship. And as we get nearer the end of our journey, we find there are fewer and fewer people who have more miles behind us than we do. But that doesn't mean we will ever outgrow the need for more wisdom and encouragement. So today, I want to challenge you to find a vertical coaching relationship if you aren't in one. Find someone who's further along the journey of discipleship than you and ask them to coach you. And if you've been a disciple of Jesus for a while, I challenge you to also find someone you can coach as well. It can start with something as simple as asking another person to have a conversation over a cup of coffee. If you want to learn more about coaching, we also highly recommend Gary Collins' book, Christian Coaching. It's a great resource for understanding what coaching is all about. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. 
To find out more about Alan's work, check out journeypastoralcoaching.com. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation where Alan helps us understand the value of coaching relationships with your peers. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Spotify.